Welcome to the High Income Business Writing Podcast, helping you propel your writing business to a whole new level. And now, here's your host, Ed Gandia. Hey there, thank you for joining me for episode 118 of the High Income Business Writing Podcast. My name is Ed Gandia, and this is the podcast for business writers and copywriters who want to take their writing businesses to the six-figure level or the part-time equivalent. Just a quick reminder that you can find detailed show notes of this episode by going to b2blauncher.com forward slash episode 118. First of all, happy new year. If you're listening to me here in the first week of January or early in January, uh, it's great to be back, back in action after some much needed time off. Hope you were able to relax over the holidays, enjoy time with family, hopefully have a little bit of time to reflect on the year that just wrapped up and plan for 2017. So as this past year came to an end and I was talking with some of my coaching clients about what they wanted to change in 2017, one of the common themes that I heard was productivity. Productivity is obviously a big challenge for many of us who are creative professionals, freelance professionals. Working from home means that you're exposed to a ridiculous number of distractions. And when you're in front of your computer all day long, the temptation to do things like check email, check social media, watch cat videos can be very damaging and obviously paralyzing uh, if you take it to an extreme. Yet, if we're ever going to do great work, we have to be productive. And, and we know that, right? This is not a new idea. Intellectually, we understand that. Making it work, however, on a day-to-day and minute-by-minute basis is quite challenging. So as we kick off this new year, I wanted to bring in my friend and colleague, Mark McGinnis to the show because Mark has been writing about this topic recently and he's got some great ideas. He is a writer, coach, uh, and just an all-around awesome guy who runs the website Lateral Action. Mark works with creative professionals to help them succeed, however you define success, by getting you to realize that busy doesn't necessarily equal productive or innovative. He has a number of, again, very practical, very tactical tips for improving your productivity very quickly. This is not something that's going to take months to really start yielding results. And we're going to cover many of those today in this episode. But before we do that, I wanted to share an excerpt from Paige and Mark's website, which is lateralaction.com, where Mark explains what that term means, lateral action, and what that means to him, because it's very relevant to our discussion today. The most important skill for economic survival in the 21st century is creativity. The creative economy is the final frontier. It's the only area that can't be automated or outsourced offshore, at least not yet. But creative thinking is not enough. You've got to actually try novel and unique things and make those valuable mistakes that teach you way more than your successes. It's not enough to be productive. 
if what you produce doesn't make a difference. Those who stay busy with foolish productivity are scurrying around efficiently, avoiding any real innovation, one productivity hack at a time. Maybe it's time to stop just getting things done and start focusing on doing things that really matter. That's how creative entrepreneurs operate. That's lateral action. So with that, let's get right to that interview with Mr. Mark McGinnis. Hey, Mark, so great to have you on the show again. Thank you, Ed. It's great to be back. Well, this is a topic that's near and dear to my heart. Uh, I've talked about this in the past. It's been a long, long time, but I'm glad we're addressing it again because I think you have a lot of great ideas and insights to share with us. Uh, this issue with productivity, I mean, this is this is something that we're all facing. We're all having to deal with. And um, as creative people, I think we have, especially if you work from home, you have some very unique challenges. So this is um, uh, very timely always. So I'm curious just to kind of get a start is here. Um, I, I'm, I'm, I'd like to get your take on, on what you see happening out there. You know, it, it's productivity has always been a challenge for creative people, but uh, do, do you think that we're just busier now? Cause it seems more challenging every year. Are we just busier or is it a, a function of all the distractions and all the choices that we have out there. What are you seeing out there? Well, I think the the, the distractions and choices. I mean, they're wonderful. Let's let's kind of say that up front. There's a load of opportunities that we have as creatives that we never had before. Like, for instance, you and I getting to have this conversation across the other side of the world. Um, but you know, like everything else in the universe, it's a two-edged sword. So all the wonderful opportunities become distractions. And, you know, if we're creatives, then our ability to focus and produce and concentrate is absolutely critical. It's, it's non-negotiable, really. If you're going to do high quality piece of work, say on a, you know, you're writing a whole client's website, that's a big piece of work. You've got to really get to know the business inside out, inside out, and have a kind of sustained concentration in order to really focus on them, their goals, their client, the tone of voice, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So, um, you know, in the midst of all of that, and this applies, you know, really a, a, across the creative disciplines, which, you know, I coach people a, a, in all different media. And it's the, your ability to focus is one of the most valuable assets you have. So really that was the starting point for writing about this subject was how can I help people find more focus without having to, you know, go and live up the top of a mountain in a monastery in Tibet. <laughs> that would be nice. Sometimes I think that's, I feel like I need to get away, like rent a cabin in the mountains for a it's, week. It's great to do. It's great to do, but it's not necessarily an option 52 weeks a year. So this was for, you know, the times that you're not in Tibet. Yeah, it, it, it the problem starts the day after I get back. It, it's yeah. I, I would need to book another week. So yeah, so yeah, and and I feel like you're right. This focus issue is is the problem. I I have always said, look, you can't really manage time. Time is a constant. You need to be able to manage yourself to establish more 
periods of of intense focus because i know when i'm focused and i'm in the zone i mean i'm i'm really doing some amazing work so it's 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 an issue of of focus many times so let, let's talk about some of some of the the myths of productivity you know because a lot of people want these quick fixes and 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 uh, I hear, well, you know, what apps are you using? A lot of people are looking for these hacks and and these tricks, and 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 when I hear them, I'm, I'm what I'm hearing is you're adding complexity here. You're you're not really yeah. addressing the problem. So, as you talk with with creative professionals, your coaching clients, wh- what are some of the myths that you continue to hear? Well, I think everybody is, you know, we've all caught the busyness bug, and. The, the always-on culture, the idea that you're expected to respond to emails, prompt, you know, you know, prompt, some people's idea of prompt is within a few minutes. Um, you layer on top social media, you've got um, managing various working relationships and so on. And there's somehow this has all got conflated into an idea that business is being productive, whereas actually typically it's not. Typically it means your mind is racing. Your attention is fragmented. Uh, a co- another coach I know likes to say, Steve Chandler likes to say, busyness is laziness. Mm, yeah. Be- you know, and there's a real challenge in that because if you're doing, if you've really thought about your business and your career, you should know the two or three mission critical tasks that you have each day. It's likely, to, I mean, you know, for people listening to this, it's likely to be, writing is likely to be talking to clients talking to potential clients there'll be some kind of marketing tasks as well i'm sure if they're following your advice and a lot of the rest of it is fluff you know mm-hmm. so if you're really focusing on that so for me it's writing it's coaching clients and it's talking to potential clients as long as i'm doing those three things my business is going to thrive other stuff can be a distraction from that. So I try and keep it as simple as possible. Um, this feeds into another of the myths that we often hear about, which is multitasking. If you look at the actual neuroscience and what the research tells us, multitasking doesn't exist as a, at a mental level. You know, it, you, can, you can be, say, walking the dog and listening to a podcast, or you can be on a treadmill and you can be typing, but what they found is your attention will switch between one task and another. So if something's relatively mindless, like walking the dog, then your attention can be somewhere else. But if you're trying to switch between two mental tasks, like for instance, email or Twitter and this important sales page that you're writing, what happens is you end up switching from one to the other and you use up a lot of the brain's energy from that and actually, it's even worse than that because when I was my original training back in the '90s was in hypnotherapy, and we were taught if you want to create amnesia in a subject, then one of the easiest ways to do that is to just interrupt them. And you think about the number of times we get interrupted every day, and we—you probably all had this experience that you're in your inbox, you go in there to write something with intention, then another email comes in and it's a completely different issue and you're like, oh, right, okay, and, it, and you focus on that. And then that leads you on, you know, somehow, you know, 20 minutes later you find yourself on Facebook and you're going, how did I get here? And then you remember the original email that you were going to write 
20 odd minutes ago. So I think multitasking, busyness, all of this stuff, it, it's, it, it's part of the cult of looking busy or feeling busy or sounding busy, but actually it's not being particularly productive and let alone creative. Man, I, I tell you, the amnesia thing is it's horrible <laughs> for me. It, and it's and I find I, I wonder if it seeps into your personal life too because I I would I, I'm I'll walk down to the kitchen and by the time I get there I have no idea what I was supposed to do I, I yeah I really don't I'm I'm lost I find kids and pets are very good at that you you're on the way to doing something and then they interrupt you and you're like what <laughs> how did I get into this room. Yes. <laughs> it's quite scary. It's quite scary. So, uh, okay. That, that makes it, you know, what do you think about the myth of, um, I, I don't see this to an extreme degree, but I see different flavors of this Mark, which is the, well, I, I'm a creative. I need to wait until the muse strikes, you know? So it, it's, I'm, I'm on yeah. a different timeline here. I'm, I'm not, I can't dictate that. It, I got to wait for inspiration. Yeah. Tell that to your client. <laughs> <laughs> I think, I mean, seriously, I think one, maybe one reason that you don't see it so much, Ed, is that I know you, you work a lot with commercial creatives and copywriters. And, and one of the great things about working in that kind of field is it really helps you build that work ethic. You know, that when there's a deadline, when there's a client, when there's a lot riding on it, it's amazing how much we can deliver. Now, that's not to say there isn't something to be said for taking time off and allowing the muse to visit. But I think you've got to get the right balance between what, you know, incubation, which is the idea that, you know, your creative imagination or the muse or the unconscious is is working on it out of sight uh, which is not to be confused with procrastination. So, uh, and I thought about this and I, I looked at my own experience of, of both these things and what I see from clients. And I came to the conclusion is, is generally quite simple that incubation tends to happen after a period of intense work. So you, you get the brief, you go away, you do your research, you start hammering away at the keyboard, you, you come up with some ideas. It's not quite right, but you've, you've, kind of jump-started the machine. And then you go away and you're walking the dog or you're having a shower or you're lying on the beach or whatever, and an idea comes to you as if from nowhere. But generally that doesn't happen unless you've done the hard work first to, to set up. Whereas procrastination tends to happen before the period of hard work, you know, when we'll do anything but sit down and start writing. And I think if you bear those two rules in mind, yeah, it's great. If you you certainly want to harness your unconscious inspiration or your unconscious mind or whatever you like to call it, but it generally needs a bit of priming. And this comes back to one of the things I talk about in the book. Panic early. Don't wait till the last minute. Even if you've got two weeks to get going, you don't need to do anything today. But if you do something today, if you get a start, then that gives you a chance at the very least to revisit the draft and tweak it and make it better. But what, obviously what you're hoping for is some of that magic to happen. You know, you, you write a draft, you're going away, you think about it, you get a great idea, you run back to that draft and you've given yourself time to, 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 
to get the most out of the conscious effort and the unconscious inspiration. So with this, I love this idea of panicking early. You're saying that instead of what many of us do, which we start panicking, you know, one or two days before it's due. Yeah. Just uh, have that. I don't want to call it anxiety, but that sense of urgency as early as possible. Right. That's right. And this is one big thing I noticed about really productive creatives versus sporadically productive creatives is that, you know, the latter category, they're the ones who wait for the deadline and they do it last, at the last minute in a frenzy of caffeine and Red Bull and, you know, the proverbial all nighter. But, you know, I, I do worry about these people a bit because, uh, you know, certainly the older you get, in my experience, the harder it is to kind of reconcile that with having a decent levels of energy and sleep and meeting family responsibilities and so on. But what I notice that the ones who are really consistently productive, they look ahead and they think, well, okay, there's two weeks, but actually I've got this meeting and I've got that client and this project as well. If you really think about it, maybe I've got three mornings to work on this project. So I need to panic now. I need to get started now. I love that. I, and you know, now that you say that, I, I think I've gotten pretty good at that. And I used to be embarrassed about it, that I would get started early. Uh, but I found that once I, I won the project, I would give myself about a day to just rejoice. Yeah. <laughs> and then I would get started the next day. I, I didn't yeah. want to, I wanted to kind of let it seep in and, and just, just enjoy the win but then yeah. I wanted to get started right away on the next day um, just because I've spent so many years procrastinating that I, I knew I knew what the, the price is, is not a price I want to pay. Right. And this comes back to another principle I think is really important that if you, the point of getting organized is to support your creativity. It's to be more creative. You know, we have this romantic idea that the creative just lives in a constant state of, of improvisation and chaos and, and and some people do and some people manage fine like that but i think if you've got a business and you've got responsibilities but also in in my experience if you really want to have more time when you are just focused on that flow state that we'll get into when we're we're really in the zone as writers then the more organized you are the more time you can create for that like this morning, I spent my time doing my current favorite project, which is translating a long medieval poem from Middle English into modern English. Now, in order to get that on my schedule first thing on a Tuesday morning, I kind of need to be organized about the other stuff. You know, I need to make sure all my, my marketing and my client, you know, that's all taken care of. Otherwise you know, I'm going to be sitting there feeling anxious thinking, well, I haven't got time to do this. How can, you know, how can I focus on this when there's all the other stuff to be done? But if anybody's listening to this, thinking about, don't think about organization as something that you should do because it's best practice. And because somebody told you about it in a book or on a podcast or, or whatever, think about it. The more organized you are, the less time you have to think about all the other, all that stuff. If you've got systems that take care of it, then you don't have to have it in your short-term memory. So it just frees up your bandwidth to focus on the thing you love most, which presumably is going to be writing. Yeah, so it's not a chore. It's something that's going to enable you to spend more time doing what you love in the way you love to do it. 
Yes, exactly. I love that because what I hear often is, Ed, I get it, but that's not how I work or that's not my personality or that's not my process. And I get that, but I'm also seeing a lot of anxiety uh, and, and I'm wondering, gosh, you know, if, if you, if you did some of these things we're talking about here today, I wonder how much more time you'd be able to spend doing the creative work that you know you can do best. It's a, I think this whole crutch of the, oh, it's not my style or my personality or the way I've done it before. Man, I, I don't know. I think that's, you're doing yourself a disservice. Actually, I think but if we go with this idea for a minute, I think there is something important here, which is, you know, and I say this in the book, I, I'm not advocating any kind of productivity system. You know, there is, I mean, there are productivity systems out there and they're very successful and maybe they're more appropriate for people in the corporate world. But for me, you should start from what is your ideal creative process? You know, if you had nothing else to do except write today, how would you spend your day? You know, and it involves looking at the rhythms of energy and alertness and, and dips in that throughout the day. So most people tend to be more awake in the mornings than they are in the afternoons. And then they, they'll have another lift of energy in the evenings. There's a few people who are afternoon people. So personally, I'm a morning person. So that's when I put my writing on the schedule and I don't have meetings at that time. I don't do email. I don't do social media. I don't do admin. All I'm allowed to do in that time, the rules of my game are, is, is write and drink coffee. Of course, it's very important. <laughs> and then, you know, in the afternoon is when I work with my clients and I do all of the other stuff. And that works out really well for me. But I mean, I have clients who say, actually, I'm an evening person. I can't get going till, you know, eight o'clock in the evening after dinner. And they'll happily write till two, three in the morning. And they can organize, I mean, they work for themselves. They can organize the schedule as long as they keep up with their professional communications. It works out fine. As, but the key thing is they know themselves, they know their creative process, and they use the productivity tools to design their own system, which supports that. So, you know, again, just think about, don't make a blanket judgment. Don't say, well, I'm creative, therefore I can't learn anything from this. Say, I'm creative. What would my ideal day look like if I could just devote it to creativity? And how can I use my productivity tools and principles to support that and give me maximum time in the zone. I, li I like that approach because you're starting with the end in mind, right? The Stephen Covey thing. And yeah. okay, so that's what I want. How do I back into that? How do I enable yes. that? So yeah. that leads me to another tip you talk about in the book, which is putting hard edges in your day. Can you tell us what that's about? Yes, this is something I've learned the hard way and i know a lot of freelancers and self-employed people have have learned the hard way because when you start off you, you've got that rush of excitement of wow i i've got no boss to tell me what to do i can organize my day the way i want i can i can do whatever i want the trouble with that is it it can open the door to resistance because you think well i've got all day to write this difficult piece of text 
So maybe I'll do it a bit later. I've, I've got plenty of time. But what that doesn't take into account is that the longer the day goes on, the more the emails pile up. Maybe your energy dips in the afternoon. And you can end up scrambling to do it at the end of the day after a long day of procrastination. Mm-hmm. And, you know, in my experience, if I leave it to the moment to decide, well, shall I just do some email or a bit of Facebook or Twitter or, you know, browse for books on Amazon or shall I try getting on with my writing in the moment the resistance is always going to push me away from it but if i've decided beforehand okay my mornings or my evenings or my afternoons whatever it is this is my writing time and it helps with the panic in early things so if i know that it gets to half past nine and i haven't started well i've only got till half past 12 and i'm in danger of losing a big chunk of my writing day the flip side is once I get to half 12, I can finish my work. I can finish my writing. I can be talking to my clients or doing my admin or pottering around the house or whatever it is. And I know I've done my writing for the day. I know I've, I've done that heavy lifting that's going to work for my business and work for my clients. And also I get to call myself a writer all day without having to write another word. So you know once you've you've got a place for everything it's much easier you can relax into doing whatever you're doing at the moment mm-hmm. you know without but without the tides everything kind of bleeds into everything else and you you think well i'm i'm doing this but maybe I should be doing that and then you go and do that you think well, maybe i'm better off doing this you can go, you can chase your tail like that i found that I can be very impulsive. If if I don't make a schedule for my day, hour by hour, and I know that sounds rigid, but it's really not, uh, I will go by whatever feels right. And I don't trust myself enough to do that. So every single morning or the night before, it depends, um, more and more I'm moving to doing this the night before, I will go ahead and schedule my day out based on all these factors, all these projects that I have going on. And I find that the next day I'm following something that my lucid self, (laughs) that my reasonable, (laughs) logical self (laughs) determined was going to be best for me because in the moment I know I'm, I'm going to be lost in and I'm going to be emotional. So I have to follow and I have to agree to follow Ed Gandia from the day before who was thinking clearly uh, on on what needs to be done hour by hour today. Yeah, I like that idea. It's it's a bit like the emyth, isn't it? You know, where you've got the idea of was it the technician who's the writer, then you've got the manager who allots the tasks. Yes. And even if there's only you, you can still play those two different roles. So you can look ahead and say, well, what does Ed need to do this week to you know to move the business forward? And then Ed, the writer, shows up the next day and it's like, well, okay, this is what this is what the boss has given me to do, and it's nice because you you just you show up and you do your work. You can always change the system if you think it's not working, but generally you need to do that from thirty thousand feet, like you say, as as, lo- as the lucid person the night before, rather than um, just doing it as an excuse to avoid something difficult. Yes, once I'm in the day, forget it. I'm not a I'm not a very yeah. reasonable person. <laughs> um, but also, it's hard enough. You know, writing is is hard enough, and dealing with clients sometimes is hard enough without deciding what you're going to do when, you know, it's like, I read a piece about 
um, Barack Obama. Apparently, he he said all his all his all his shirts and suits and ties were chosen that they could match interchangeably because he said I've got so many decisions to make during the day. I don't want to start the day by agonizing over my wardrobe. You know, the decision fatigue is going to kick in big time later on if it, the more decisions I have. Oh, and Steve Jobs did the same thing, right? Uh, just uh, he simplified his wardrobe, and a lot of people have actually <laughs> followed the same approach. Yeah, say, look, I, I just don't. I only have so much decision making capacity, brain function yeah. during a day. I don't want to waste it on that. Yeah, and also, you know, for anyone who's listening to this, going, yes, but um, you do get to design your day. You do get to be creative about it. But the idea is that you're not necessarily reinventing it each and every day differently. You know, that you, you sit back and you think, well, what's going what's gonna to make my day more enjoyable as well as more productive and more creative? And you design that and then you go and see how it works. And then, you know, some of it will work great and other bits where you think maybe that could be tweaked. So you go and you adjust it. Sure. And you design, design it based on, again, going back to what you said earlier, when do you have the right energy for the specific task? And you can design it based on yeah. that. So tell me a little bit about this idea that you mentioned in your book, which sounds very interesting. Make the most of boredom. I'm intrigued by this. Yeah. I came across an interview with a comedian who was saying that he needed to get bored in order to be really creative because you know, it, it forced him to to kind of power up the creative part of his brain and and come up with new material. He said, but the trouble with having a smartphone was means he was never bored because there's always something else you can do. Whereas, you know, if you're bored, then after a certain time, you you, you start to entertain yourself, which is maybe where a lot of creativity and storytelling comes from. Um, so the idea is that don't resist the boredom it's okay to be you sit down at your desk and you're intending to write and of course all the other things instantly seem far more interesting and it's just resistance but if you can just accept okay i'm bored and sit with the boredom for a little while and you will come out the other side because you you, you know i came across this great story of a writer who said that the rules of his game were he had to sit at his desk until 12 o'clock every day. And on the desk was a typewriter and a packet of cigarettes <laughs> and a cup of coffee. And he didn't have to write anything. But the only things he was allowed to do was drink the coffee, smoke the cigarettes, and type. And, of course, he spent the first 20 minutes just drinking coffee and smoking cigarettes. <laughs> and then he spent another 15 minutes staring out the window. And then he thought, well, okay, I might as well write something. Because at that point, it was the most interesting thing he could do. So if you struggle with this, then maybe put together a, a little game like that. Uh, one thing I used to do was uh, I used to like to go to the British Library, which, if you haven't been inside it, is probably one of the most boring environments on earth I mean, you, you go inside and it's military silence you know you so much as cough too loudly and everybody's staring at you and shushing you um you're not allowed i think you're allowed computers but i deliberately didn't take one you're not allowed ink we have to write in pencil and i just went in there and worked on my poetry because there were no distractions and th there was so much peer pressure to just have your head down and in a book 
that after a while, you know, you, you push through the boredom. So, you know, it's, it's maybe not the most glamorous and romantic thing to say, but actually boredom is a good friend to you as a creative. It's so hard these days to create that kind of boredom. We have so many tools at our disposal, starting with our smartphone and the internet. And I know in the book, you talk about some, some, tools to to help you shut that off or limit access to it because sometimes we just need to force ourselves to do it what are are some things that have worked for you there Uh, in terms of software in terms of software in terms of your smartphone sometimes it's not a software thing sometimes it's what do you do it's a great tool but Uh, okay right yeah so i mean this if you're on the mac then you know something like mac freedom can lock you off the internet for two hours or something every time i use that i find myself breathing a sigh of relief when I realize it's gone. Um, (laughs) On the phone, there's a couple of things I do. Uh, One is that I've disabled email. I haven't deleted it, but if you go into, on the iPhone, if you go into settings, you go through about four different screens to, to disable your email account. And then if you want, that means you just can't check it, let alone have the, the little red dot of death showing you how many emails have arrived since you last looked at it. And what that means is if I'm out and about and I really need to see my email, then I can access it, but I have to go through these four screens in the settings. So that means I'm never going to check it on reflex. It's always got to happen with intention. So that's a nice way of just, you know, getting the benefit of the phone, but without, because, you know, you could be sitting there at dinner with a friend and if you, I'm sure nobody listening to this would ever check their email while they dinner with a friend. But, you know, <laughs> say they go to the bathroom and you just, just check your email and you download a business problem. And that's your evening ruined. You know, you, it's really hard to think about the converse, great conversation you're having with the friend because suddenly you're thinking about your client's issue. And you're not going to solve it any faster than you would if you just waited and downloaded it in the morning with a fresh mind. So I would encourage you, if you want, the benefits of the smartphone, but without too much of the anxiety to experiment, disable the, e- the email. Um, another little tip is Scott Belsky at 99U wrote a great piece a few years ago about the idea of using your phone with intention, which I think is great because it is a wonderful tool. And if, if you check in and you say, well, I, int- you know, actually what I really want to do is catch up with my friends on Twitter, or I want to read something in the, in the news or I'm going to listen to a podcast even that's fine. And that gives you the benefits of it. But where we get stuck is when we're just using, we're just playing with it like a toy and it's a reflex and it's we open reflex. one app yeah. after another, after another, and we're going round and round. So one question I started asking myself every time I get the urge to pick up the phone, I'm getting it now just talking to you about it. You see how strong this is? <laughs> That's bad. <laughs> just talking about I can, it. I can see the phone on the desk. Of course, it's switched off. But as soon as I get the urge to the phone, then I ask myself the question, do I want the phone or do I want something on the phone? And if there's a definite something on the phone that I want to access and do, it's okay to pick it up. But if I just want the phone, it's a kind of digital comfort blanket, then I'm not allowed to pick it up. Interesting. And it's just it's just a simple question, but it's it's changed my relationship with the phone. 
very interesting. Uh, it's a it's a nuanced thing, but it's an important question. I love that. I love that. Um, so let, let's talk about one more thing. Uh, you got so many great ideas in the book, but uh, and, and they're all very practical, which I which I love. Uh, I love this this tip that you have with post-it notes. Tell us about how you use post-it notes. Okay. So one of the issues I had, you know, when I got really interested in productivity years ago was, you know, I got, I tried out all the different apps for to-do list management. And the trouble is they were so good. I ended up with to-do lists that were hundreds of items long. And I looked at it and I just, I just, it might just soul just wanted to collapse the thought of all those hundreds of things that I hadn't done and probably would never get to. And I realized a shorter list was much more motivating. And I got this tip from a guy called Mark Forster, who wrote a great book called do it tomorrow, where he says every morning you should have a list of the things that you're going to do today. So let's say for the sake of argument, you put 10 things on that list. He says, and then that is all the things you're going to do today. He said, if anything else comes in, if there's an email comes in or you have a meeting and you say, okay, I'll, you make a commitment, you're going to do something, you put it on the list for tomorrow. And the great thing about this is you've got a finite amount of work to do today. You know, if you cross, if you've got that list of 10 items and you cross off two of them and then you add another three, then your motivation just goes through the floor. Yeah. But if you cross off two items and you know that means there's only eight to do and you're really motivated to do another two and another two and you can get to the end of the day and you have finished your work which is an extraordinary feeling for a freelancer so i took this idea and i experimented with it and what i came up with was a post-it note and i think it's i'm looking at the size here i think it's maybe two by two inches or maybe two and a half inches square I've calibrated this finely to the, the size of my handwriting. And what I realized is that if I write today's to-do list on that post-it, it's about the same size as the amount of stuff that I can do today. So if I'm trying to cram on more stuff into that post-it, that's telling me you're not going to get this done today, Mark. So it really makes, you know, I I do mine at the beginning of each day. I will sit down and I look at the post-it and it really focuses my mind. You know, that that little post-it square tells me that my day is finite. And it's kind of asking me the question, what are you going to do? You've only got a little space. What are you going to put in it? And I find that if I do the prioritizing at the beginning of the day in that way, I'm generally going to spend my day doing the more valuable things. And I'm never going to get to everything, but at least I'm going to do the highest priority stuff. And then underneath it in the stack is tomorrow's post-it. So anything else that comes in, I just stick it in tomorrow's post-it. There's a wonderful feeling of relief. You know, say I do a phone call or I get an email, say, okay, I'll do that. Leave it with me. And then I realize, but I don't have to do it today. I just put it on tomorrow's post-it and I can let go of it and I can get back to what I was the task I set myself this morning. Now, and I'm assuming you write it in 
standard size handwriting. You don't cheat. Yeah. Yeah. Well, people say, you know, I mean, I blogged this a while ago and people said, well, you can make your handwriting smaller. But I mean, what's the point of doing that? I mean, (laughs) you're only cheating yourself. If you've got really small handwriting, use a smaller post-it. Yeah. And if you've got bigger handwriting, use a bigger one. But you, you just got to calibrate. And again, it's the only reason you would cheat is if you weren't, if you didn't have a, a strong personal reason for doing it. Now, my reason is I'm going to spend my day in the most rewarding way possible in every sense. So I'm quite motivated not to cheat at that. Now, I'm assuming that on that list, you have a, a mix of high priority items, for instance, writing, right? Project A, Project yeah. B, and maybe your poetry. And then you yeah. have other items such as, you know, call the vet and do this yeah. and whatever. Yeah, so the way I do it is top left is today's writing project, and there's only one. And that's what I devote my morning to. And then underneath that is stuff for clients. And then on the right-hand side of it is more, you know, the personal stuff, like, you know, family, bits of shopping and stuff, or errands or, you know, friends that I promised to get back to about something. Okay. So I know that in terms of my business, if I've taken care of that left-hand column, then I'm good. You know, I'm, I'm up to speed with everything. So it's prioritized. Yeah. Right. Right. So it is prioritized within that, but I mean, however you like to arrange the post, it's up to you. I mean, you might want to divide it in two or, or four or or whatever, but the point is it just, there's this, a finite space. And every morning it gives you that question, what are you going to do with the finite time you have today? I think it's a beautiful visual reminder of the constraints that we're all working with. So if anything, it forces you, it makes you more mindful of that fact, which is, which is wonderful. Cause sometimes we, I know I'm an optimist. I'm always fighting with this idea that I can get more done than I can get done. Yeah. And yeah, yeah, I can't not, not in a quality way. Right. And I, I used to do that a lot and I was just demotivated at the end of every day. Cause you know, if you put 15 things on the list and you do 10, you feel you've failed. But if you put 10 on the list and you do 10, you've succeeded. And you know, you haven't, it's the same amount of work, but it's the frame you put around it, you know, and you've got to, again, you got to calibrate. I mean, if, if you're just putting one thing on it, there's got to be a really high value thing. Yeah. Um, so, but, but we're assuming that you're not looking for an excuse to be lazy. This is your business after all. But so if you've got that tendency to over promise to yourself and over commit, this can be a really good tool to, to rein you in. Well, Mark, as we wrap up here, tell us about the book. I know we've mentioned it a couple of times, but, uh, tell us a little bit about what you have created. Okay, it's called Productivity for Creative People, which I hope is fairly self-explanatory. <laughs> it's it's written for people where I don't have to explain why creativity matters. You know, it's for creative professionals. So copywriters, novelists, designers, actors, artists, poets, even, you know, anybody who is seriously committed to either they earn their living from creativity and or they're doing it to a professional standard. And the subtitle is how to get creative work done in an always on world. And, you know, the priority there is in the title. It's about how to carve out the time to do your best creative work 
and yet still manage all the other stuff. So some of it is, uh, you know, material that I've published on my blog over the last 10 years. And what I wanted to do with the book was really just go back and put all my ideas in, in one place and say, look, this is what I think about this subject. These are the, the principles for laying the foundations. These are some ideas for getting creative work done. And here are some tips for dealing with the rest of your professional responsibilities. So, so far the feedback has been very positive. People are saying it's changing the way they look at the way they work and, and how they spend their day and they're feeling more buoyant and creative as well as getting more done. So hopefully um, it will continue to do that for people. Wonderful. And where can listeners uh, learn more about it or, or buy their copy? If you go to lateralaction.com, which is my website, lateralaction.com slash productivity, um, there's a page explaining about the book in a bit more detail. And it's got links to all the sites where you can get the book. It's in obviously all the main bookstores like Amazon and Apple and Barnes and Noble and so on. And we'll make sure to link to that page uh, in the show notes. And uh, just my two sets here, guys, this is it's an excellent book. So I have a review copy here. Uh, what I love about the bookmark is that, you know, we're talking about this offline a little bit. There are some productivity books out there that, you know, if you're buying the productivity book is because you're really constrained and you, you have some yeah. issues and we all do, right? But you need to be able to get the information quickly. And I hate it when I buy some of these productivity books and you have to wade through hundreds of pages to to get the information yeah. and uh this book is not like that uh i love the fact that it's very you've chunked it out in a way that i can very quickly jump around from one idea to the next based on what i know i'm i'm having trouble with and i can implement these things very very quickly you don't spend 20 30 pages explaining one idea you do it very quickly very succinctly and uh so if, if that's you then you're going to love this book. So check it out, guys. Uh, and Mark, thanks, uh, thanks for coming on the show today. This is uh, this has been enlightening and always fun. Thank you, Ed. It's always a pleasure. The High Income Business Writing Podcast is a production of B2B Business Launcher. Learn more at b2blauncher.com.